Marky Mark, The Rock, and the guy who lost Eminem in a rap battle prove that you need more than just muscle to pull off a crime. You need at least one brain cell. This is Pain and Gain. Video Store Wasteland. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Video Store Wasteland. I am your host, Brian, and I'd like to welcome you once again here. And as you heard into our little preview, we have today, we're looking at the Michael Bay biopic. Hold on. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. This is a Michael Bay biopic. It's based off a true story. This pain and gain from 2013. Uh we can go ahead and just start where we are, where we're gonna have to start now is just the uh, IMDb tagline, and we have a trio of bodybuilders in Florida get caught up in an extortion ring and a kidnapping scheme that goes terribly wrong. And uh, you know, much like the movie, it does. Uh, but we're gonna go ahead and start where we always start with uh, these episodes: is go ahead and look at movies from 2013. Well, then let's do it, Marcus. So uh, we already have done a movie from 2013. Uh, we did uh, 42, the Jackie Robinson story. So in that episode, we went ahead and already list off the movies from there. I'm just going to go ahead and just go really quick through it. Top 10 that year, just so we know people are looking at it. We Frozen. Uh, there's a lot of Disney movies. So we have Frozen, Iron Man 2, uh, Thor The Dark World, and Monsters University were all the Disney movies. And then you have like Universal movies, which were Despicable Me, uh, Fast and Furious were the only two. And then you have things like Hunger Games, The Hobbit, Man of Steel that come out that year for in terms of what everybody was going to go see, you know, that it's not the beginning of all that sequel stuff, but it certainly is a turning one of the turning points in terms of uh, what what starts to sell at the theaters. And uh, it's, it's it's sequels and uh, established properties. And, you know, however you feel about that is however you feel about that. Uh, that year, things that won awards more so were like 12, 12 Years a Slave, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, really were the one more awarded movies that year. Uh, and other movies from that year that I, I don't remember if I mentioned, but uh, things like This Is The End came out that year. Wolf of Wall Street came out that year. Where the Millers came out that year. The Wolverine, Pacific Rim, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, then movie called About Time, which is something that I will recommend now. I haven't done, I will do an episode about that eventually. But I will go ahead and just recommend it right now. Go out and watch uh, About Time. Really great movie. And... Uh, now we're just going to go ahead and do what we're starting to do, which is other things that happened in the year 2013. Uh, that year for the Super Bowl, the Baltimore Ravens beat the San Francisco 49ers 34-31. to 31. And if I remember correctly, that year was the year that there was a blackout right around halftime. I think Beyonce was the halftime show for that. It <laughs> lights out performance by her, so there you go. Uh, that year in the World Series, we are seeing the Boston Red Sox over the St. Louis Cardinals four games to two. Uh, that year also, the Miami Heat beat the San Antonio Spurs four to three in a best of seven series for the NBA Finals. Fitting that uh, Miami won the year, that year for what this movie is about. 
that year as well, the Stanley Cup, the Chicago Black Sox beat the Boston Bruins four games to three to win, I believe that was their second cup. So in that stretch of time, the Chicago Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups in two years and the Kings won two in three years. So, you know, nice little rivalry back and forth. But now both teams are building their way back up because they kind of suck. Uh, that year we have uh, President Obama. Uh, I think that was the year after the election. So this is his first year of his second term. Uh, as well as that year, apparently the city of Detroit filed for bankruptcy. So there's that, that I didn't know that that was a thing that happened. And also gay marriage was legalized in the United States. Um, so you can get sort of court, sort of the sense of what's going on in that year in terms of sports politics and what people are watching Because uh, strangely enough with the way I look at movies, especially older movies, uh, you got to look at what's going on in that year. Is it, something that you know influences the movie or is it a movie that's supposed to take away or let people escape from what's going on that year and uh in general it seems like people were just trying to just enjoy themselves just by looking at the top 10 movies that they ate that year uh i don't know too much about what this movie made people think other than what it didn't make me think and what it made like critics think and i you know uh, who cares about critics too much? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, some people do, some people don't. But uh, yeah, then we'll go ahead and wrap up the movies or background section. I think a little bit about this movie. We're going to go ahead and look into the cast and crew of Pain and Gain. Hello, let us begin by introducing ourselves. I'm Hans. I'm Dan Franz. And, and we, we want, want to pump you up. All right, so in uh, no no particular order of appearance, and since uh, you know these characters or characters in the movie are based off of real people, um, you just I won't exactly say who or what they were, uh, but you know we'll just go ahead and start. Mark Wahlberg's in the movie, so we all know Marky Mark from the Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, and uh, he plays Daniel Lugo. Other things Mark was in, well, he was in Boogie Nights. We already did a episode on Boogie Nights, our, my second episode, if you want to go back and listen to, <laughs> listen to me struggle through some things, there you go. You can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, he played Daniel Lugo, who's the sort of ringleader of this gang. And then you have Dwayne The Rock Johnson. If you're some man, what the rock is In the movie, he plays Paul Doyle, but his character is based off a conglomerate of three different characters or three different people who were involved in the whole crimes that these these guys did, you know do and i'm not gonna mention where the hell the rock you know was from because he's the rock i mean he's in every movie with the jungle every movie with with krevin hart and uh you know the wwe man <laughs> i'm gonna go watch some old rock you know wwe stuff after this recording uh and anthony mackie we have playing adrian dorball and uh 
you know, like I mentioned in the, the opening, he lost to, uh, he's the guy who lost to Eminem in that rap battle. He, uh, he is the, he's the guy at the end of eight mile that, or he's the main antagonist, I guess you could say in that movie. Uh, but you know, he also plays the Falcon. Oh, I think he also played, uh, he also played like Tupac in that Biggie movie that came out a couple of, well, a couple of years before, before this one. Uh, I, I don't know. That's just me talking off the top of my head. Then we have to- Tony Shalhoub who plays Victor Kershaw. He's based off of Mark Schiller and he was in Monk. Uh, and he was also in Men in Black. He's the guy with the face that like turns all small when Will Smith shoots it off. Hey, look, Will Smith attacking faces. That's already something that he's been doing for a while now. Uh, and then Ed Harris plays a detective. He's in Westworld. He's the Men in Black in Westworld. Uh, Rob Corddry plays John Meese, who is one of the accomplices in in this, uh, you know, whole debacle that's going on. He's an old school. Rebel Wilson's in the movie. It's based off of Cindy Eltridge, who's, um, you know, was married to Anthony Mackie's character in this one. She was in, like, the Pitch Perfect series. Um, and also another one, another movie that I kind of would want to talk about, just when I get to more genre stuff and like de- this, actually this movie fits, fits in that deconstruction thing. It's called, isn't it romantic? It takes apart the, uh, the romantic comedy drama, uh, genre. Uh, and then Ken Jeong, who is based off Tom Vu plays Johnny Wu in this movie. Woohoo. <laughs> Was that racist? That's gotta be racist. There's no way. Uh, and he, you know, he plays, uh, he's the, <laughs> he's in the hangover series and he is also in community. He plays, uh, <laughs> Senor Chang in community. I, I'm just laughing at that, that fact that, you know, what he does in that show. It's hilarious. So, uh, you know what? I'll play it. Ha! Gay! And I'll allow it. Uh, so we'll go on looking after looking at the crew at the cast, uh, pretty like big, big names for this cast. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and look at the crew now. And like I mentioned before in my sheer disbelief is this is a Michael Bay production. Of course, uh, I don't have to mention too much about Michael Bay. We know that he is the guy who did bad boys, the rock and he didn't do the rock. He, he directed the rock <laughs> and, uh, and the transformers movies. So, uh, there you go. And he also did one recently called Ambulance, which was really good. I enjoyed that one. Uh, and the writers for this movie are going to be shocking. They're uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. They're a writing duo. They wrote all the Captain America movies. <laughs> they wrote Infinity War and Endgame. They also wrote Thor 2, The Dark World. So let's just say the writing did get a little better and not to say that any of those movies are particularly known for their screenplay. Uh, maybe, maybe just uh, the second Captain America movie, the winter soldier. Cause that is take away the fact that it's a Marvel movie and it's a fantastic movie in general. That's the best Marvel movie that's come out. It's just like that Thor three and, uh, yeah, you know, because I, I, I'd hesitate to put any of the Spider-Man up there. When I'm talking Marvel, I'm talking MCU stuff, because if we're t- talking in general, yeah, Spider-Man 2 is up there, as in should be the only one talked about. Uh, anyway, yeah, these, the, these guys went from making that 
they also did the Chronicles of Narnia movies. Uh, they went from doing that to doing Avengers stuff. So uh, there you go. Uh, cinematographer in for this movie is Ben Sarenson, who's basically done all the Michael Bay movies, Transformer movies. He also did World War Z and Kong versus Godzilla. Editors for this, we have uh, Tom Muldoon, who, again, did all the Michael Bay movies. He also did uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. And then Joel Negron, who did Jump, uh, 21 Jump Street, which freaking hilarious movie. Uh, Transformers, and as well as Thor Ragnarok. So there you go. Uh, you have a little bit of Marvel connection here between Marcus McFeely, or, Wow. I just put the two last names together. So yeah, the, the, the writing duo of Marcus McFeely or McFeely Marcus, uh, depending on if you want them super Irish or kind of Irish. Um, and Joel Negron, who is the editor. And uh, for composer for this movie is Steve Jablonski, who, again, all the Transformers movies, but like the best part of the Transformers movies was the music. So, I mean, way to go, Steve. Um, Jablonski. Uh, yeah, there's great, great music in, in, uh, the Transformer movies. And that's one thing that I'll say about like some movies that might not be the greatest. Uh, the movie may suck, but the music for it could be fantastic. Uh, case in point, Waterworld, which we will get to in a very special episode because, uh, that is my guilty pleasure of a movie. Um, it sucks, but like, I love it. Uh, so yeah, so that gives you a sense of what we're going for or what the movie's going for, really. It's a big budget movie with high A list actors. I mean, you have the main attraction being Marky Mark and The Rock. Like, yeah, Anthony Mackie's on the poster, but like, most of the like art that I've seen for this movie is just. Uh, Marky Mark and The Rock. So, I mean, <laughs> there you go with that one. Uh, and the fact that it is a Michael Bay movie kind of like, kind of set you in the mind of what this movie's going to be. Because um, if you've seen any, 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 you know what? We'll go ahead and just start talking about the movie because it's such, it's such a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and, uh, Stop talking about Michael Bay and go talk about the movie he made. This is Pain and Gain. Man, calm the fuck down. I gotta get a pump. Yeah, take a moment. That's good. That's good. All right. Um, so before we get to real discussion of it, I'll just say this. It is based off a true story. And I... You know, I looked into the actual story of it, and I guess there is a book. Uh, I'm not going to do what I did for the Jackie Robinson story, mostly because uh, that was just one guy. This is like a whole thing, and it's really complicated. If you want to go ahead and read the book, I believe it is called uh, Pain and Gain. Yeah, it's called Pain and Gain by Peter Collins. Uh, Peter Collins basically was the uh, writer or one of the journalists over at the Miami News New Times 
who uh, wrote all the articles that the movie is based off, and you put them together in a book called uh, Pain and Gain, This is a True Story, which was released around the same time as the movie was. So if you truly, truly want to know more about this story, if this story like captivated you in a certain way, go ahead and read that book, audiobook, whatever you want to do, or just go look at the uh, articles. And I'm pretty sure they're probably somewhere on the archives for the uh, Miami New, New Times. Uh, so let's just go ahead and, and talk about the movie. When I say it's super Michael Bay, it is incredibly Michael Bay. The opening shot of the movie, um, Mark Wahlberg is doing like sit-ups on the side of his building, but with a lens flare, all in Dutch angles, in hard shadows. You're like, is this like supposed to be a biopic or is this a transformers movie because you know uh mark mark Wahlberg was in transformers dark of the moon um was he was the dark of the moon why am i getting caught up on the transformers movies it, it just just he was he was in the <laughs> he was in the transformers movies he's in one of them um and it starts with with <laughs> They started at the end instead of starting at the beginning because, uh, you know, I, I guess that was just an artistic choice for it. But it starts with him getting arrested. So the movie starts in, ni- in 95 and the whole events of the movie take place in 94 to 95. So I was a baby. <laughs> I was young. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Uh and it just it just starts with that, and it, it almost like starts with a like freeze frame. Well, I wonder what uh, <laughs> I, I bet you're wondering how I got into this situation, sort of sort of uh, trope. Um, not like not like it's gonna, not like it's anything against the movie, but it, like um, the big, a lot of it does lean itself on the narration and voiceover. Um, just a lesson for all you people out there who do make movies and all that. Don't, don't do that. Not that it's lazy writing or anything. It's just lazy storytelling to a certain point. Cause you kind of want to let the story speak for itself in a bit. Uh, but in this one you have every single one of the characters has their own little portion of like storytelling of it. Um, so yeah, like I said, it starts with him getting arrested, right? And it 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 just goes on to like how how their whole thing started. So Marky Mark works at a at a Sun Gym, which I think still might be around in Miami. So if you if you wanted to go go visit like filming locations, which you know that's that's cool. It's cool to do. Yeah, it's yeah, it's still in Miami. It's in Miami, Miami Lake, Florida, which is like right, right out there, right outside Miami. Um, so yeah, you could do that. Like, I think I think last week I talked about Sunset Boulevard. The Sunset Boulevard house is still there. So if you want to go visit that, it's right there. You can go visit the 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 locations for like Ghostbusters. You can go to Hawaii and visit where Jurassic Park was filmed. I think it's like near Waikiki. This is like really near like a tourist spot. But yeah, Sun Gym, if you're really interested, still in Miami. Um, now, if it still has the notorieties it did back then, who knows? But he works at that gym and like he has this 
dream of being a doer. And, and it, ex- it explains a little bit beforehand that Mark or his character of uh, Daniel Lugo, he was already kind of a scam artist to begin with. Uh, he'd already been scamming people out of money promising to triple their investment in three months sort of sort of deal thing and that's how he gets the job at the gym and um that's where he meets tony shalhoub's character of kershaw and it's so weird for me to say that because currently on my desk i am looking at my clayton kershaw bobblehead let's go clayton um hope hope you uh hope you get off the the entry list soon heal up man heal up um so he meets him and they talk about money and all that. And uh, obviously for somebody who's already been scamming people, he's going to want to scam him. And this entire time it's told through like narration. So it's like he's training Victor Kershaw and then, and, and then they just talk to each other and then there's like a voiceover like, oh, okay. Uh, so who's talking? Why, why are we doing this? It's like takes people out, takes me out of, out of the narrative a little bit. Uh, and that again, it's like a weak point of the movie. It just happens way too often in it. So you're introduced first to Mark Wahlberg's character. Then, you know, he's friends with Anthony Mackie's character of Adrian in, uh, Dorball in, 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 in the movie, you know, they work at the gym and they're juice heads. So, and then it explains a little that, you know, he has, or Adrian has a problem with the juice to the point where his dick don't work no more. And that's truly unfortunate. But you know what? You wanted it to be big. He didn't want to be, uh, uh, you know, functional. So that is the difference. Um, and again, his story is told through narration. Uh, and then when you finally meet the, the Rock's character, and like it takes maybe a half hour, 40 minutes to set this all up. The movie is two hours long. So as contrast to most of the other movies that we've been doing, by that I mean movies from pre-2000, they're usually about an hour and a half, hour 45 minutes max. I think uh, 42 is maybe two hours long. But this movie is drags at the beginning and then it drags for the last like hour and 20 minutes because it, it sets up everybody at the beginning. You have to set up, uh, you have to set up Mark's character. You have to set up Anthony Mackie's character. You have to set up the rocks character. You have to set up, uh, Tony Shalhoub's character. And it, not that it boggles down in itself, but I feel like there's just way too many things going on at the same time for them to do it all in voiceover narration. Cause it all, it all, Hey, not only does it sound like they're talking in a booth, which, you know, that's not anyone else's responsibility other than the sound mixer, but it, it like, it kind of takes you out of the story. Cause it's like, Oh, this cool thing's happening. Uh, you know, Mark's doing that. Then there's no voiceover narration. Then boom, they're just, ta- they're talking over a montage again. And all the narration is done over a montage. And again, Montage may be effective, but if you lean too much on a montage, it does get boring a little bit. And as we say that, let's go to a montage. I actually, I don't know how how the hell we would do a montage in audio form because you kind of need to see the montage. (laughs) Uh, 
And the movie from there, once you get everything set up of, you know, the three characters meeting each other, because, uh, you know, Mark, Mark's all there for, for the money and, you know, glory as, as, uh, Indiana Jones once said, uh, fortune and glory kid. Fortune and glory kid. Fortune and glory. Uh, then you have Anthony Mackie's character who, again, he does a, he works at like a taco shop. He doesn't want to be doing, to serving tacos to nobody anymore. And then the rocks character is an ex felon who was a former Coke head. And that's the reason he's in jail. Cause he's, he or went to jail because he was stealing money for Coke and he's a born again, Christian. He converted in prison and, um, it, it's just like to get to that point where you meet all the characters and we're like, I get you're supposed to try to have them. You're supposed to care for them. But at a certain point, I really don't think we need to know what their backstories are in five to 10 minute form. Just meet them all together, have them stop for a beard and, and do that. Cause, uh, you know, you set up the characters and then it takes them a while to set up the story of them trying to steal stuff from, from, uh, from Tony Shalhoub's character. And then they plan to do all that. And it, and it's funny. It, it, that's when it's, that's when it's funnier. And when they first try to kidnap him, it's really funny. Cause, uh, Victor Kershaw is uh, Tony Shalhoub's character. They go up to his house to try to kidnap him, and he's performing Shabbos dinner for everybody. <laughs> and Shabbos dinner is Shabbat dinner for for my Gentiles out there. Um, so he's there. Everybody's in full full kippah and all that, and <laughs> they're like, "Oh no, he's having Shabbat!" And they run away. Uh, and there's like two other like try uh, attempts, not tries, attempts at at kidnapping him. Where they, they, you know, they dress up in like ninja outfits and all that, and they do end up kidnapping him. Um, which you know, from there, you know, they start torturing the guy. That's how they get the money out of him, and then it's turns from like this comedy action thing to a comedy drama thing, because once you get to the point of them not having to kidnap anybody anymore, it's like extortion deals. So they torture the guy and, uh, they try to get him to sign the papers away. Cause I think Mark says something like, I don't, I don't just want you. I just, I don't just want everything you have. I want you not to have it. So there's lines like that in the movie where you're like, Oh damn, those are good lines. There's good lines in the movie. There's just, uh, since it is, a movie that's trying to get from point A to point B, there's not really too much uh, leeway in terms of, not artistic license, I guess you could say, more more of a, it's just a straightforward movie, really. Uh, oh, it is something I would love to mention right now before we get into, like, after they get all the kidnapping. The movie is extremely Miami. It is extremely Miami, man. Like not it not only does it show the side of Miami that, you know, Will Smith sung about, uh, there we go talking about Will Smith again, uh, or you know, from Miami Vice or anything like that. It it shows the parts of Miami that not everyone sees. So uh, 
Miami can best described as a manu- a prefabricated house with a Lamborghini in the driveway. And that's a lot of Miami. It's just like not rundown houses. It's just there's a large contrast between the rich and the poor. So if you go more towards Miami Beach, that's where everyone hangs out and all that. It's where you'll see like uh, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, you'll see Floyd Mayweather out there. You'll see a bunch of celebrities going out there. That's more the Miami Beach parts. And I know Sylvester Stallone has a house out there on the lakefront. I think Tom Brady's building a house out there. And then you just go less than a half hour away from there and you're more into a suburb. And uh, it's interesting because then there's a huge just disparity in terms of you know the rich folk or not even rich this is like people who are there to do one thing they're just there to party on the paperiad way and uh you know the people who 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 actually live in miami who in parts of miami aren't the greatest uh like if you're going towards the lone lone depot uh stadium which is where the marlins play you do go through a little bit of a rougher neighborhood to get there and again this movie shows that and i guess it kind of brings in that contrast because it's a lot of the haves and haves not and mark Wahlberg is the have not and tony shalhoub's character are the haves and haves not always want what the haves have that's a lot of haves I can have that in half, can't I? Half. <laughs> you need to just grill these fingerprints off, all right? Grill these fingerprints off? Are you nuts? After they, you know, they sign everything away, that's where nah, they start living their life of luxury. And they try to kill Tony Shalhoub's character, but it goes wrong. And he ends up in the hospital. Uh, but in a hospital where nobody believes what he's saying because he's saying stuff like, oh, uh, bodybuilder ninjas kidnapped me. Uh, you go into, and he smells, or he has like sex toys on him and the police automatically think that it's like a sex thing. Uh, and from there on, you know, you get a sense that Marky Mark and the rest of the gang are free. As much as you shouldn't really sympathize with what they did or what they're doing, because it gets rough after this, really. Um, you kind of get a sense like, oh, they're free. And like, you know, they, they've done it, they pulled it off. But with Tony Shalhoub's character out in the open, he goes to contact the police. And from there, that's basically the, the downfall of these characters. That's about like an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. So the next 40 minutes or so, it's just showing the lap of luxury. It shows, uh, you know, Mark getting what he's always wanted, which... or. Daniel Lugo getting what he's always wanted, which is a house with a lawn uh, where he can mow. And uh, he says this banger of a line. What the hell are you doing on the ground? That hurts. Well, it's supposed to hurt. That pain's what's going to save your life. Your cells remember where it hurts, and that's where they get strong. It's called pain and gain, Rusty. Don't be a little bitch. You going to man up? You better, because right now your sister's stronger than you. Give me your hand. Get up. What are you looking at, you little tubby broad? Don't eyeball me, boy. I see your mother driving up and down the street looking at me. I'll be your stepfather by the weekend. It's fantastic. It's a fucking hilarious line. Uh, but, um, you know, from there on is basically the downfall because they, they, they realize they're running out of money. Uh, and you know, the rocks character gets back into Coke and all that. Uh, and that's what drives him to do the criminal acts that he did before. 
And this means that they're going to go ahead and try to kidnap another dude who the rock has had an encounter with. I guess he's like a porn magnate in Miami, but they ended up killing him. Oh, spoilers. I forgot to put that in the, in the show, didn't I? Oh, well, you're, you're here. You're here to, for one thing and one thing only. You're here for that fresh spoiled movie. Um, but that's, that's what happens in the end of it. As much as it sounds like I did enjoy the movie, what I enjoyed more is the fact that this was a Michael Bay movie because you watch it and like as much as the narrative is easy to follow, it it's a little like much. It's a little much off the top of the head, really, because you have uh, these like dramatic scenes and then Michael Bay lens flare. And then at the beginning of the movie where they're showing all the people at the gym, it's like ass titties, ass titties, ass titties. And that's just Michael Bay. Cause, uh, I think it was either revenge of the fallen or dark of the moon, like the second or third Michael Bay movie or whatever. The beginning of the beginning of the movie is like this whole like action scene on the moon. And then a slow tracking shot of this girl's ass with lens flare as it's going upstairs it as in the ass and the woman as well to meet Shia LaBeouf and remember him he was a thing do it just do it don't let your dreams be dreams and this is just what this Michael Bay movie is is a lot of ass and titties um so don't watch it with kids around uh really it's 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 egregious Um, but yeah, this is what the movie is. It's a Michael Bay movie. I can't, I can't stress this enough that at at every point where I was like, oh, this movie's getting, oh, it's Michael Bay. Not that there was any like big explosion. There's one explosion and I guess, you know, you, he couldn't help himself really. He does the same thing in ambulance, but ambulance is a much, much better movie. Michael Bay said I think before the production of this one that he wanted to make something a little bit more personal and small uh, for a budget of about, let's see. Oh, actually, compared to his other movies, this was a really small budgeted movie. It was an $86 million movie that he budgeted for. Oh, $22 million movie. Wow. Yeah, no, this is, for him, is small and personal. But the movie is dumb, really. Um, because it is about dumb people doing dumb things. So I guess you can't really fault it too much for that. Um, but for me, I mean, for my liking, really, for like mo- movies that are because dram- there's other other movies about other, like stuff like this. I mean, not, not not like true story stuff, but like crimes like this. I mean, uncut gems. Fantastic movie. Uh, their other movie what was it Good Time? Another one was great, like that about crime, and it's very small and personal and it's intense, it keeps you going. But I guess because this story took place over about almost a year, you can't really get it like fast paced, like that, keep you on the edge of the seat, sort of thing, because it is about more story. So what I would have liked in the movie was a little bit more character work. The characters seem really flat and one-dimensional, which if we're going to mention anything about Marvel movies.
I kid. I do like the Marvel movies, but I'm not. I'm not gonna place them up there with, you know, Academy Award winners. Not that I enjoy Academy Award winners anyway. Uh, it's just there's different tiers of movie. Sometimes you just want to go to a movie for a good, good old carnival ride. Other times you want to have your art, your heart ripped out of your chest, like in everything, everywhere, all at once. <sighs> that was a great movie. Um, but yeah, pain and gain, very straightforward biopic from uh, Michael Bay. So that's just sort of the sense of what you're getting in this movie. Um, now I'm going to move on to my recommendations. Would I recommend it? No, at least not to the majority of my audience. Who I would recommend it to is all your dads. Your dads would enjoy this movie. This is a dad movie. Like this is this is one of the things that your dad finds on TV, on like TBS, TNT, one of those movie, one of those channels, and he just sits through it because it's. I, I, it's it's dad fodder, really. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you would call that a genre in and of itself, um, but it's a dad movie for sure. So, would I recommend it to my audience? I'd recommend it to your dads. Go ahead and do it. Get, go 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 tell your parents like, oh look, I heard about this movie, and then probably go sit down and watch it if they're into that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Pain and Gain. Uh, as always, I am Brian. And thank you guys for listening. Love you guys. And I hope to see you once again here in the Wasteland. You know what? I feel good. We'll play some guitar right now. Yeah. <laughs>